Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Countdown to Infinity. This is episode 10. Today, we will be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm very excited about because, boy, oh boy, this is a very different movie from, uh, I think, everything we've watched up to this point. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, I'm James, uh, and I'm joined by... Matt. Oh, jeez. What's your name? Matt. It's Matt. It's Matt. I always want to say Mark. Hmm. Is that bad? Yeah. You've known me Probably for, bad. what, half like, your life? 20, 20 years now or something fact, like yeah, that, I'm sure. More than half your life, in fact. Yeah. Significantly more than half my life. Anyways, it's good to have you. It's good to have you. It's yeah, it's good to have you on the show, Mark. Um we're 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 talking about uh we're talking about 2014's Guardians mm. of the Galaxy. Uh this movie is directed by James Gunn. Uh really fantastic director and certainly a massive reason why these movies feel and look the way that they do because uh, he's also the writer of these movies uh, mm-hmm. he's written he's written both this one and guardians 2 he's directed both and he's coming back for guardians 3 in a few years time so yeah he's a pretty important dude in this whole cre- this 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 experiment that is a movie that probably shouldn't have worked um who else we got? We got a bunch of people in the cast here. We got a bunch of new people in the cast here. People we have yeah. not seen or heard from before. Yeah, running down the list. We've got Chris Pratt. Yep. Who, like, this was his sort of, like, big first, like, movie movie, I think. like or he, less. He, he had found um, a lot of, obviously, uh, f- uh, fame in Parks and Rec as andy and he was phenomenal in that show Uh, i love that show um but guardians of the galaxy was i think the first one where he really that really pushed him into it because like before this he we we'd seen him in uh moneyball um that was a big one for him i'm sure uh he was in zero dark 30 which was a fantastic movie he didn't have really um, huge parts in either of those films, no. though. Like, he well, was he not didn't exactly really... headlining. He was just sort he, of supporting... He wasn't headlining any of these movies until Guardians. And then you look at Guardians, and he's been in Guardians of the Galaxy. Then he was in Jurassic World. Uh, then he w- was in The Magnificent Seven. He was in Passengers. Guardians 2. Now he's in Infinity Wars. He's going to be in the new Jurassic Park movie coming out this year. Uh, this This movie catapulted this dude. Uh, into movie stardom craziness. Yep. Which is cool. He seems like a cool dude, and he's really funny on screen, and uh, I enjoy him in this movie. Uh, Zoe Saldana is in this movie. Dave Bautista is in this movie. We've got Mm -hmm. Vin Diesel, kind of, sort of. Um, We've got Bradley Cooper, also kind of, sort of, just voiced. uh, He voices uh, the the raccoon character. What's Uh, a raccoon? name? I think, I think his name is Mark. Uh, we've got Lee Pace, Michael Rooker, of course, uh, Karen Gillian, uh, John C. Riley, Glenn Close, Benicio Del Toro, who we have seen at this point. We have seen him. He was in the uh, the credit sequence for uh, Thor 2. Yeah, that's briefly. right, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had seen him already, but man, this is uh, this is what we call an ensemble cast. There's a lot of really cool people in this this movie. Yes, um, 
And uh, what do we got? What else we got here? People were saying that they they missed the little like little uh, tidbits like this. So uh, let's see. It cost um, a lot of money to make. Yeah, two hundred and thirty two million gross. $195 million net because they received um, a huge tax break from uh, filming it over in London. Oh, really? Uh, is that, is yeah. that why that is? Yep. And uh, box office, this movie made $773 million, which is insane. Almost a billion um, dollars. Yeah. Just, you know, not a big deal. Almost a billion dollars. Um, what else was I reading here? Um, bunch of other people, uh, they were looking at for the role of Peter Quill was, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, John Gallagher Jr., which would have been pretty interesting. Um, for me, John Gallagher Jr., uh, in, uh, the newsroom, if you ever watched the newsroom, uh, that was a very good show. Uh, but Yeah. Eventually, it went to Chris Pratt. Hmm. Uh, and that's all the little tidbits you're going to get there. I think maybe I'll try to, to do a little bit more research for the for the rest of the series and give you as much little details like this as possible at the start of the show. But in the meantime, I mean, let's right off the bat, do you, do you like this movie, Matt? Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, this is a good movie. It's a lot of fun. Um but let's let's uh what's the what happens in this movie, Matt? What's this, what's all what's this movie about? Okay. So, back in the eighties, Peter Quill's mom is dying, and uh, and then and then she she does die, and he runs out of the hospital and is kidnapped by space aliens, and that's how the movie begins. Um, and then we fast forward 30, 26, 26 years into the future, uh, wherein uh, our our hero Peter Quill is now an adult living on his own spaceship flying around the galaxy, kicking rats, and stealing relics. Um, he steals a relic uh, as part of his uh, his uh, group of ravagers, like a, a task given to him by his kidnapper and now, like, surrogate father figure. Um, steals this relic, is uh, captured by, like, guards, agents of Thanos, uh, or rather agents of Ronan the Accuser, I guess. Um he manages to evade them, makes his way to Xandar, uh, where he has a buyer lined up, and uh, goes to meet his buyer to sell the relic that he's stolen, double-crossing basically everyone along the way, wherein, uh, you know, he he's double-crossed uh, the Ravagers, because they were supposed to make the sale, and, and, and he's basically just doing it and keeping the money for himself, because he's kind of a roguish dude. At the same time, um, daughter of Thanos, Gamora... Uh, and and Nebula actually are uh, both on loan to Ronan the Accuser, a, a villainous Kree who, uh, who who has a bit of a grudge against the Xandarians. And he sends he initially assigns the task to Nebula, but ultimately chooses to send Gamora to Xandar for reasons, and I don't remember exactly what those reasons are. Right to get the stone oh right he knows because he he talks to uh, uh he talks to the guy the agents of ronin that were on the first planet and uh and finds out that 
Peter Quill has the stone and has gone to Xandar to sell it. Um, so yeah, he sends Gamora to Xandar to find uh, Peter and take the relic and uh, and bring it to him. At the same time, uh, Rocket and his walking houseplant slash enforcer are uh, uh, sorry Groot are hanging out on Xandor, just sort of looking for, you know, being bounty hunters and looking for uh, people that have bounties on their heads. And given that uh, given that uh, Peter has double-crossed the Ravagers, he's got a bounty of, what, 40,000 credits on his head? So he, he they, they decide they're going to capture him and turn him in for the bounty. Uh, this all comes to a head as they all basically make their moves on each other at the same time. Uh, Peter is unable to make the sale to the the relic collector or the fence that he's dealing with because uh, he the fence realizes that Ronan's involved and wants nothing to do with it. Uh, Gamora then steals the the orb from him right around the same time as Rocket and Groot try to capture Peter. Uh, there's a big ridiculous uh, chase. And, uh, and so on that goes on throughout the city of Xandar uh, before they are all captured by Nova Corps and taken to the Kiln, an interstellar prison. There they meet Drax, who really, really wants to kill Gamora because Gamora is the daughter of Thanos and, uh, and Thanos killed his family, so he wants revenge. Uh, they ultimately convince him not to kill Gamora because it turns out that Gamora was actually planning to double-cross Thanos and you'd, like, take the relic and keep it away from him. Uh, and so they, they just hatch a plan to escape from this the Kiln prison and, uh, you know, go sell the relic and, and make money. They escape from the prison, causing a whole bunch of chaos in the process, and make their way to nowhere, which is uh, the the head of an ancient celestial being, which is now a, a, a like an outlaw outpost. And uh, they make their way there. They find Tavon the Collector on nowhere, and they try to sell him the uh, the relic. And he reveals to them that the relic they have is in fact one of the Infinity Stones. And he tells them about the amount of power that they can wield, or that the, the Infinity Stone possesses, and how it will uh, will destroy lesser beings who try to use it. Um, his slave girl slash assistant uh, tries to break free by taking taking the stone and using its power to smite Tavon, uh, but it disintegrates her, blows up Tavon's uh, shop, and uh, and none of they are unable to make this sale but they also realize that the the infinity stone is uh too powerful to uh to allow to fall into that like just to to allow to fall into anyone's hands at the same time as this happens uh Drax and uh and Rocket get in get get drunk and into a fight um and uh and Drax calls Ronan to nowhere, telling him that he wants to face him. Ronan shows up and uh, and basically just beats the pants out of all of them. Um, and uh, ultimately, they the the Guardians of the Galaxy are saved after you know saved from this defeat when the the Ravagers show up and uh, and capture them and bring them on board their ship. <sighs> are we following all this yet? Um, so, they all end up on the Ravager ship, 
some arguments ensue. They convince the Ravagers that uh, that the Xandarians are uh, in extreme danger and that they need to go to Xandar to stop. Sorry, I guess during all the previous rigmarole, uh, Ronan got the Infinity Stone and then using the Infinity Stone double-crosses Thanos telling him that, no, I'm not going to turn this stone over to you. I'm going to use it to gain my own power, uh, wage war on Xandar, and then come back and and get you, basically, to Thanos. Um, So the Guardians of the Galaxy convince the Ravagers that they need to stop uh, Ronin before he gets to Xandar, so they mobilize the Ravager fleet. The Guardians get back on board the Milano. They... They send a message to the Nova Corps on Xandar telling them that the Dark Aster, Ronin's ship, is headed their way and that it must not make ground. And uh, they basically lead an all-out battle at the end to try and stop the the ship from making ground and and stop Ronin from being able to destroy uh, Xandar. Unfortunately, this giant battle ends in failure as the the Dark Aster crashes into the, like, the main capital city on Xandar, and, uh, and all hope appears to be lost until Peter challenges Ronan to a dance fight. And, uh, in, in the process of this dance fight, he manages to distract Ronan just long enough for them to separate the Infinity Stone from his hammer. Peter grabs the Infinity Stone out of the air, and then through the power of friendship, they are able to channel the power of the Infinity Stone to do away with Ronan and save the day. They then turn the Infinity Stone over to Nova Corps, and uh, and and everybody is happy again. Sure, they save the they guard the galaxy. I think is really where I should have ended that. But yeah. They guard I mean, the galaxy. He he even says in that final fight, he calls them the Guardians of the Galaxy. He does, in fact. It's one of those, oh These my god, are your said Guardians the name of, the of the Galaxy. And then you're yeah. like, yeah, there's the line. There's Yeah, there it is. You don't have to wait as long in other movies, like Iron Man. He says Iron Man pretty quick. Yeah. But in this one, you have to wait until like the last scene, basically. Yeah. They really make you Yeah, they, they really yeah, make, they you, really make you wait for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that pretty much... Uh, more or less wraps up the whole thing. So, All right, cool. I guess, I'll see you back here next week. Same yeah, time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so um, one of the big things uh, with this movie uh, is clearly it is very far. I mean, so I guess it's, I shouldn't say it's very far removed from uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, it is in the sense that it takes place a very far, far ways away. Like, you know, size-wise, it's a long ways away from Earth. Um, but there's definitely some tie-ins here and there. But it does definitely have a very different feel and look to it definitely. than any other Marvel movie. And more importantly, I think um, it, has, it, it did a huge service, I think, to the MCU going forward from all of the, from this movie that borrowed from the look of the like borrowed from guardians absolutely right? like i think this- guard guard i don't want to say it's like a i don't even want to say it's like a soft reboot of the series or of the of the universe it's just they definitely shifted i think there was actually like there was a very visual shift in how these movies looked between 
the the previous episode um just like winter soldier and then this like those mm. were two so different I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say this movie solidified the look of the Marvel cosmic universe. So, yes. like, this this movie is a lot more neon. It's, you know, a little very very sort of Jack Kirby-esque, I guess. A mm-hmm. um, lot more, like, a lot more fanciful design and and just it's more out there and it's, it's more, tr- like, trippy 60s um, color and... and design influence in this film um and it picks a little bit of that up from thor and thor 2 but it just like it takes that ball and runs with it yeah um, absolutely like to the other extreme and i think the the shift that you see is that in solidifying the look of the marvel cosmic films um or the cosmic universe all of the films that take place in that sort of cosmic side take their cues from this movie for sure I think yeah. I think you have a harder time arguing that something like Ultron or um which would have been like well in development when this came out um or uh Captain America Civil War take a whole lot of I mean like there's I, it, I, there's there's sure. a key design team that works across most of the Marvel universe so yes I mean they are taking their cues from themselves but yeah. uh but like uh Doctor Strange for instance well, looks Doctor the way Strange it does is... because it's in the cosmic universe guardians of I mean, the galaxy 2 well it's it's in both though right like that and that's one of the reasons why i love doctor strange so much and i'm excited to watch it again and i'm excited to talk about it is that that is a movie that marries those two arguably yes. very different universes right yeah, like yeah. that was that was the bringing together of this universe that basically just took place on earth and taking everything that happened outside of earth asgard guardians and actually bringing them together. Yeah, so just sort of while you, them. you, yeah. So while absolutely you don't see a lot of the uh, cues from this movie in Ultron, because as you say, um, Ultron is the next movie in the MCU that we're going to talk about. So it would be hard for them to incorporate uh, as well as, or as, as deeply as they could have. Yeah. Um, I think you start to see it. A little bit more and it shouldn't be in your face and it isn't and i like that i i like that i know that when we're in outer space um it feels like the mcu outer space universe yes and when we're on earth it feels like earth yes um but there is a point where it it slowly starts bleeding over right like that's kind of one of the huge main storylines is that you know especially with infinity war like those two universes are going to come to a head in, absolutely in a way that they just haven't yet even in in Doctor Strange yeah and so. and with this movie they started venturing into the cosmic aspect aspects of the universe more as well in future films um in, in ways that made sense um cuz like the next time we'll visit something that's clearly got that cosmic inspiration will be Ant-Man uh which is like only one film away and yeah. the entire like microverse again is pulling on that same kind of design influence and like it's trippy cosmic yep. um and uh and yeah so like they they play on the like space and magic and that kind of thing 
more and they get more willing to incorporate. So I, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. I still think the Captain America movies hold their own. <laughs> the Captain Americas and the Inve Avengers so far have like, though they happen on earth and they look like they happen on earth and they, you know, they're not really dealing with the cosmic at all. Um, yeah. But I do, I, I completely agree with you having that, like, this is what space looks like. And this is what earth looks like. And they are very aesthetically different. And then, when they cross over, you've got this just like mashing of the two together that looks awesome is yeah. very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess the other, I guess before we uh, start talking about the actual movie itself, because we still haven't really done that yet. Um, so visually speaking, this movie is significantly different than uh, any movie that's come before it. Um, but this movie also plays with something else, which is music. Mm -hmm. um, which is not something that the Marvel movies are particularly well known for to be. And to be fair, the Marvel movies, and I think rightfully so sometimes uh, do get a little bit of flack for their music because it's often not particularly overwhelming. Um, I think there are definitely some, uh there are there are bits bits here and there throughout the the series that I would say this is fantastic but overall I would agree that maybe the music is not the best it could be mm -hmm. in every Marvel movie so I I um, have a pet response to the various videos that came out a while back that were like the Marvel movie mu or Marvel movies music is boring um from several great movie YouTubers that I respect a great deal but I don't agree with them um i think the the biggest flaw so sorry now i'm digressing but i'm gonna lay it out here anyhow because we've broached the topic um my my sort of pet response to that is that the issue with the music in the marvel universe is not that it's boring or that it's bland it's that we don't get to hear it over and over again um you remember the harry potter theme and you can conjure it to mind not because it's especially like not that it's not because it's better than the avengers theme um but because you heard variants on it in every single harry potter movie for a decade uh, mm -hmm. of which there were eight and it was the key unifying theme song for all of them um whereas with the the avengers we only got the avengers theme in the avengers and the avengers 2 and now we're getting it again in the avengers 3 um and that like the one thing that marvel hasn't done a good job with is establishing um strong musical themes for each of their characters like iron man gets a different theme in each of his three movies yep. um and but like all three of those themes are actually pretty good and pretty distinct if you hear them on their own um but they you like it's not like iron man has a theme song that you hear in every iron man film but if he did you'd better believe that by now you would have it committed to memory mm -hmm. um and and that like the same as Captain America has a bit of one because they they pull on the, the the theme from Captain America, the first Avenger a fair bit, um, but not they don't develop it or like unify it into the score of the film enough to have it like persist really stick in, and stick in your mind. Yep. But uh, I, I think that's a fault of like musical vision. Like they just didn't think to have sure. the, they didn't think to unif like to give each character a musical theme, um, and it would have been really cool. It's like Thor has his own musical theme, and Iron Man has his own musical theme, and Captain America has his own musical theme, and then in the Avengers, you actually tie all three of them together into like an Avengers theme that's, uh, like 
an amalgam or using um that like sort of plays on and adapts them all into a like a team theme um and i think that's where the fault is i actually really like a lot of the music in the the marvel cinematic cinematic universe you just don't live with it long enough um or enough times to really be able to conjure it to mind the same way you do um the really like uh, long-standing classic superhero, you know, Superman theme and the sure. the Spider-Man yeah. theme to a lesser extent. Anyhow, that was my that's fair. That was I a mean, little that, digression on my part. That but. I mean, that's fair, but you you still I mean, yeah, and that's basically what I was. I mean, that's that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, but that still doesn't. That still basically says that you know Marvel has some work to do when it comes to their music department. Sure, I just think uh, that when it the comes diagnosis of cause is misstating the case. That sure. said, the Guardians movies really stand out on their music as a result. Yeah, well, because what the Guardians did much differently than any other movie is, I mean, they had a composer, um, and it's uh, it was Tyler Bates who worked on the film score. So there's original music that's composed by him. Yep. Uh, but then it also leaned incredibly heavy on music from the 60s and 70s, which in the movie is meant to, I mean, be the music that Peter Quill and his mother shared together when he was a child. And this is his link to to Earth. It's his link to home. It's his link to his family. Um and it's be- he's it's become such this ingrained part of his life that he's built it into his ship and he walks around with his walkman and mm-hmm. he's constantly listening to it and he's willing to risk everything to go back and get it right yeah you know that it's one of my favorite bits is him is him and the guys trying to escape the kiln and when he realizes that the guard stole his walkman he decides to go back and you know that's just a really good bit and it's just really solid character development that like this is a man who is willing to risk it all for this one remaining connection that he has Mm -hmm. with his his previous life on earth which i think is really fantastic um and the music is great i mean the way that and this i guess is more little tidbits things because i was reading about this today the way that um um gun decided to uh, approach this kind of music or try to find the music that he wanted was he basically just went and found every sort of uh, reasonably well to fairly well-known 60s and 70s pop song. Um, and he basically, it's out, from what I read, basically every song was picked out ahead of time with the exception of the David Bowie song, which was picked out in post-production. Hmm. Um and he wanted songs that people would recognize, but not immediately be able to be like, oh, sure, that's this, hmm. right? Which I thought was kind of cool. because I, I And I think that works a lot. Because if, if all you do is you say, give me the 12 most popular pop songs from the 60s and 70s, then it becomes so much more about them. Yeah. Whereas if you pick 12 of, you know tier three <laughs> 60s yeah. and 70s pop songs people just sort of enjoy it they listen to it they think about it but they don't let it sort of take over and and get in front of them and, and just let them enjoy the movie mm-hmm. um one of the things that i love that they did which i kind of regret never getting one is they actually uh did a a run of the cassettes yes yeah of I knew the that. awesome 
awesome mix volume one they actually did a, a run of of the cassettes which i think yeah i should probably try to find one because it's kind of awesome yeah i have literal no way of playing it uh but well, i that doesn't that doesn't stop me from also having this phenomenal guardians of the galaxy deluxe vinyl album that i bought from mondo i believe <laughs> i was waiting for you to ago. say laser disc no, not Laserdisc. It's a vinyl of. I think it's the it's the deluxe, so it's the awesome mix and the original soundtrack as well. Oh, nice! Together, and I have it's in this. It, it's like this gorgeous um, cover art, and it's framed and it's hanging in my office. And I'm looking at it right now, and it's just really good. Nice. But I've never listened to it because I don't have a record player. Yep. But the music is a huge part and factor in this movie. Um, with a lot of really great songs. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Yeah. It it gotta... sets the tone of the the movie really really well. It makes it feel just like they did they did a fantastic job selecting the music for this film. It's mm-hmm. it's just always tonally like bang on any time any time you get a pop song it's just it's it's the perfect musical hit. I agree. All right. Well, we spent thirty minutes talking about a whole bunch, whole bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. We haven't actually talked about the movie and what we think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this movie. Um, I we watched it on Sunday night, and normally I have my phone open uh, with a notepad open so I can write down my nitpicks, and I didn't write anything down because yeah. I wasn't looking at my phone because I was like, "Damn, this is a really fun movie." Yeah. Um, that isn't to say there isn't probably things I have issues with, but. Uh, it's just, it, it starts really sad. And... Oh my God. So that opening is devastating. It's, yeah. it's a lot emotionally, like a lot more emotionally difficult than I remember it being. It um, also, it's I, hard. It's, uh, it, it's interesting to, to watch. I think this is the first time I've watched Guardians since Guardians 2 came out and, there's so much, just all the references to his father, um, the way that his mother talks about his father, the way that Yondu talks about his father. Um, and I don't really want to get into it too much because I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But uh, knowing where this series is going mm-hmm. uh, was really interesting uh, to to see all that because clearly his mother uh, still loved the the father. Yes. Uh, Yondu thinks he's a dick. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, it just plays really well. Like, it's clear that, um, you know, they had a plan for this. They 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 knew where this one was going, right? Yeah. And it I mean, they didn't like that. entirely pull Peter's parentage out of whole cloth here. Like, no, there, sure. There's a, like, they were pulling on the character from the comic books. From so, the comic, yeah. Um, they had a lot of leeway to be able to throw those kinds of references in. Um, although the, the exact function and, and like who the character actually is and whatnot is all actually quite different. Um, the, they, you know, they, they knew that going into this, at least they had the rough outline of where they would be going next and, and what the interesting questions to ask around Star-Lord are. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so you have this really incredibly sad and emotional start and then you go into what became uh one of probably the best opening scenes 
sort of most upbeat and just fun opening scenes in a Marvel movie with him, and you know. You're like casually cruel. Yeah, and casually cruel. That's very true. Um, and and one that they definitely tried to replicate in in the second one for sure. Like they basically were like, "Hey, remember what we did in one? Let's turn that up to 11. And, and obviously, we'll, we'll I th- talk about that yeah. with two. But I, I think they use it to better effect in two. But they uh, definitely do. Yes, that's yeah. fair. Um, but the, like I, the music kicks in there, and it's great. Um, and it, the movie wastes basically no time. I forgot just how quickly um, they all wind up in prison. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like here is this opening set piece, and all of a sudden now he's on Xandar, and the the fight between uh, Quill and Gamora and Groot and Rocket is fan- fantastic. Like it's just a lot of fun. Yep. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome when it easily could have. And then all of a sudden they're in prison and you're like, oh, okay. Wow. This came a lot. I, okay. I thought this was later in the movie, but sure. Let's do this now. And then even the prison scene, I was like, okay, we're into this thing now. And then all of a sudden it's just like, nope, now we're at the escaped part. Wow. Okay. This movie just does not slow down at all, which is fantastic. Yeah. It moves Um, at a steady clip. (laughs) And when it does slow down, which is arguably the best time to do it after they get out of nowhere and they you know realize that they need to do something and not just turn around and run the other way you have that moment to breathe which is fantastic Mm -hmm. and then right back in to the attack on xandar and everything that happens there and then all of a sudden the movie's over and you're like oh wow that was a very quick two hours Mm -hmm. like this did not feel like a two-hour film i like that when that happens yeah, no, this movie moves along at a blistering pace. Uh, they do have a couple of moments to stop and breathe, which I like. Um, there's a there's like a couple of good down moments in the prison. Um, there's one in particular that, well, there's a couple in particular that I can think of on Nowhere. Um, there's the, like the main one before the final, uh, the final encounter. And uh, yeah, like it's all in all, it's a, uh, like it's a swift moving movie, but you never feel like breathless trying to keep up with it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then obviously, uh, one of the big things is, I mean, we get Thanos. Yes, we do. Like, and, and in a in an incredibly uh, real way, rather than just him grinning, you know, after the events of the Avengers, um, you know, we hear him. Yes, we like he speaks. Um, I believe which, he's actually Josh Brolin in this one. Uh, yeah, he's uncredited, but um, he is the one who is voicing Thanos. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he was the one who actually did the uh, performance capture for it as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually know if that's true or not. Um, st- looking still just a lot better than he, he, he is currently supposed to be looking like for the movie. I don't know, man. He that's just like took his my- hat off. It's it's like my one biggest worry for uh, uh, Infinity War right now is just I really don't feel like Thanos looks as cool as he did in those early like after Avengers one and even in this one yeah um but I don't know I'm not gonna obviously I'm not gonna just say it's bad yeah we're getting we're getting we could... casual Thanos he took his hat yeah. off he took his jacket <laughs> off yeah. he's just showing up in his uh you know his but tank we, top but we get him here and he's awesome. Um, and he's big and he's powerful and I, I love, I love where he hangs out. Yes. Um, just a floating just, rock in the sky. Yeah. It's just a float. What's it actually called? 
Um, it has a name where he actually hangs out, and I can't remember. I surely do not know it off the top of my head. Ah, that's annoying. Sorry. I can't remember either. No, that's fine. Um, but yeah, that's a great little scene with him. And then uh, Ronan, as you were saying earlier, he, he double crosses him. And he's like, man, you know what? Turns out this is actually an infinity stone. So screw you. Yeah. I will destroy <laughs> like, Xandar. I, then I'm coming for you. Yeah. It's like, I think I got this actually, but thanks. Um, so that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what, what else you got about this one? Um, so I like this movie. Uh, I'm a little muted on it, uh, especially the first time I saw it. Um, I thought that it had more faults than than it warranted. Um, I, I've softened on that since then. I think it's a better film than I originally gave it credit for. Uh, but this movie does show it seems to me a lot. Um, I like, I think... What it does well, it does so well that it mostly outweighs the the like foibles and things that bug me about it. Um, but it does have a few. Um, there are a couple of jokes that fall extremely flat for me. Um, one of them isn't a really obvious one. Um, I, back in the day, really felt like Gamora was the more interesting main character. Um, I've come around on it because this movie is sort of about a little bit of it's more about the team like i at the time i was like peter quill's kind of a jerk and he doesn't actually like this isn't really his story and he doesn't really do much of anything um he mostly is just along for the ride in this movie uh whereas like the character with with the most agency in the plot is gamora um and so the movie basically should have been about her but i've sort of come around it's like no this movie's about the team um it's it's the avengers in space um uh, and and you know it, it's about each of the characters finding their family in space right so it as i've spent more time with this movie i've come around on a lot of things um but yeah like i you know i love the production design i i like all the characters they're they're very easy to to spend time with and enjoy um the plot is both small and or the, like the the story is both small and big at the same time because like they are saving a planet and guarding the galaxy but the like the core of this is is basically about them finding each other and finding strength in each other and like becoming better people by finding each other which is actually like a nice little storyline to to have in this movie um even if if peter doesn't have a whole lot of character growth in this this movie in and of itself um but yeah, like I like this movie. It's not going to be at the top of my list. Spoilers, but it's it's. I mean, like I, it's I, very I, good. I don't know if it's necessarily fair to say he didn't have uh, much character growth. I don't know. I think he's still clearly uh, a pretty damaged person. Yes. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a, a a human being who's you know mother died when he was eight, and then abducted by aliens. And they were Ravagers, and he was reminded every day, basically, that, you know, if it wasn't for Yondu, they would have eaten him. Yes. Um, And he, you know, he's clearly very full of himself. Um, He's clearly a loner at the beginning of the movie, right? Like, yeah. Like, this is, this is a guy who you get the sense that if given the opportunity, he just would rather do everything by himself the way that he wants to do it. Yes. Um, And the 
you know, the, the, the people that he surrounds himself in this movie, you know, open him up to the idea that, Hey, maybe, you know, working in a team as a group <laughs> isn't such a bad idea. Isn't yeah. such a bad thing for you. Yeah. That, my, um, so my counterpoint to that is that he sort of solves that by becoming the leader of the group and telling everybody what to do. Um, so he's still basically doing thing his way, doing things his way. He's just now got a group of people to do the do the work for him. Um, yeah, and like that's I, not fair. I realize that that's not yeah. an entirely fair read of it, but that's kind of how it works. Um, I mean, I like guess, he's like, still an ir- irredeemable man child at the end of this movie. He's just yes. like he's he's found people that support him. <laughs> yeah, and I guess and I that's mean, okay because I, I guess for me, um, I don't. I kind of, I mean, especially when I, I know that these characters are going to return, I know that we're going to see more with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need you to go from, you know, horrible dickbag of a human being to completely and utterly reformed by the end of the movie. No. Because that's not realistic. No. Like, I, I, which I think is something that, you know, Marvel has the ability to do, right? I mean... Tony Stark wasn't entirely redeemed by the end of Iron Man 1 by any means. Yeah, for sure. Um, he continued to be a dick. Um, and, you know, and we'll talk about this. I mean, this is a topic of conversation that we should, you know, put a pin in and come back. Uh, because honestly, you know, I remember Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but I don't actually remember, you know, where these characters were, you know, emotionally uh, as a human being at the end of it. I'm curious to see you know, we can we can readdress this and see if he makes more progress or less progress or about the same. Yeah. Right? Spoilers, so. I think he makes more progress in the second film. Yeah, and, um, and but that's good. Yes. Like, no, no, I think no, that's absolutely, really cool. Absolutely. Like so. I I don't think he needs to have a ton of character development in this one. It's just like his arc in this one is not tremendously and again, it's, well defined. It's hard because you. I mean, you said it yourself. You never, you know, when you first saw it, you sort of thought of Gamora as the more interesting main character, and and the fact is, is that, you know, this movie does a fairly good job of highlighting and giving the screen time to all five of them. I mean, yes. Groot is obviously a little, you know, kind of whatever. Like Groot's, like he's self, he's he's, you know, he sacrifices himself. Like Groot's pretty much the most human perfect you know the the best character here right absolutely (laughs) like he is he is more or less flawless when it comes to just being a good living thing yes (laughs) that respects and loves the people around him yes so i guess excluding him you know they give a lot of time to all four of the other people um if anything i mean i think drax is kind of the problemed character uh Really? Because, uh, like, Drax is the one that, that gets... Drax gets a ton of development in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I just remember there being some kind of, like, weirdly... I mean, like, there's some weirdly misogynistic crap with that dude. Well, so there's and there's definitely the... So let's address the joke, because that's sure. the one that, that falls flat for me. Um, yeah. That line should have been cut, and I, I think it wasn't because just they didn't have an edit that didn't have it in um mm-hmm. like they didn't have the footage uh because well you should say what the joke is so that the joke is when in trying to compliment all his friends he calls gamora a green whore yes um and ostensibly 
the sort of like errata on this joke is that he takes everything literally and when they were in the kiln he overheard like apparently there was a scene where this happens he overheard someone call her that in the, like one of the prisoners in the kiln call her that and took it to be literal and so he, he didn't think anything of it at the end when and it was a callback to that scene in the in the kiln except that scene in the kiln isn't in the final cut of the film right and so yeah. it just comes out of nowhere and yeah. it doesn't really make any sense in context yeah. um and and it just it it's a feel bad joke like that's just a feel bad joke um and it it damages the the character it damages that scene um it just like sucks the wind out of the movie at that point um and it's like if it had been in place where there it was a callback and it that plot like the line had been developed so that it made sense it would make sense that said like by that point in the movie he's trying to give everybody compliments right like yep, in terms of fair. his character development he's gone from like dead set on revenge um setting out to like kill gamora basically specifically to following that line immediately turns around and blows someone away for bad-mouthing gamora uh-huh. it's like no one talks to my friend that way kind of a line <laughs> right um after having just done it done it himself which is like that's cute <laughs> and if the whole setup had been there the joke probably would have worked better um but like just you know the launching point of this conversation is like he starts wanting to kill Ro- like wanting to kill thanos and then like well we can get you you know and then it's like oh it's gamora i'm gonna kill gamora to seek revenge in my family by killing thanos's daughter and they're like well don't do that but we can get you to ronin and he's like well ronin was involved um you know i'm gonna kill ronin and uh and they point him towards Ronan and he's so dead set on his mission that he calls Ronan to them and endangers everyone around him at on this like impulse of like I have to kill Ronan. Um my mission is most important and then realizes like the danger he's put everybody in and how much they're like you know they're relying on him but how much he's now relying on them as well and how they are replacing his like he's starting to form attachments to them and they're replacing his family because he's like he's finding a new family with these people um and then he he becomes very defensive of them and protective of them um like that's a that's a good arc for a character and by the by the end of the movie he's sitting there like petting rocket like as this sort of like gentle giant like comforting him uh as rocket is mourning Groot and like that's a great great scene and like his his I think his character gets a ton of development in this movie um and you know the joke is one of the scenes of the film that stands out to me but I I like I like Drax in this movie for the most part and and part of that is um just how he ties into like the way the guardians form and, and how his arc through the film, um, 
leads him to to where he wants like where not only like he wants to join the team but he like feels like he owes it to them to do so and he you know he owes them a debt for rather than the other way around like he's sort of completely reversed and is like no wait you guys are are you make me better um that like that's i mean every character gets a bit of that throughout the movie but that's yeah. like it's one of the things i like about this movie a lot yeah it 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 definitely feels like a very personal film mm-hmm. which i think is cool um oh, yeah again it just it in so many ways this movie just feels so much different than a lot of what came before it and yeah i really like this movie a lot i think it's i think it, it was good it was a good it's a good movie but it was better for just the mcu absolutely um, i think this is a this is one of those like important movies like if you had to pick a few that really you know set the tone and you know maybe change the way that future films looked at doing things this is probably one of them up it's got to be one of the higher ones up there for sure totally agree um where do you rank it uh what are my rankings so far so you are currently sitting at Captain America: The Winter Soldier is number one, mm-hmm. the Avengers number two, mm-hmm. Iron Man number three, Thor number four, excuse me, Iron Man three, Captain America, Thor: The Dark World, Iron Man two, and then Hulk. And then I am exactly the same, with the exception that you and I sw- are swapped on Captain America and Thor. So you have. Thor 4, Cap 6. I have Cap 4, Thor 6. Okay, this goes above Thor for me. This is between Thor and Iron Man. Okay, Iron Man 3. Or, sorry, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, sorry. I, I had sorry. Thor above uh, Iron yeah. Man 3. Yeah. So this is, like, between Thor so and this, Iron Man, I think. So so this is this is your new number 4? Yes. Interesting. It, I right. could maybe argue that it belongs above Iron Man, but I think I'm happy with it. Iron Man is such a like perfect film (laughs) yeah no so yeah for me uh it it it, it's gonna take it takes a lot for uh any of these films to crack my top three at this point um which is your top three as well and i think it's probably you're the same i think cracking that captain that winter soldier avengers iron man top three is is no easy task yeah um it i so i put it actually one lower than you um Mm. i put this at uh i put this at number five i still like but i think it's like so unbelievably close to captain america Mm. i think i think if you asked me tomorrow i might switch it oh i see even just found your existential crisis film even talking out loud right now looking at the list physically on my screen and seeing this movie at number five You're is already making, regretting me, it. making me question every life choice <laughs> that I've ever made up until this point. No, I'm going to stick with it. Okay. I'm going to leave it at number five because I do think I like Captain America more than this movie. Okay. But it is so, so close. Hmm. Closer than any other movie so far. Interesting. Cool. But yeah, so that that's that's the new list. Um, we asked you uh, last episode for some suggestions as to how maybe we should be doing the list because it's gonna get harder and harder as we go. Um, 
you know, we're we're basically we're a little past the halfway point of where our list is going to be at the end in terms of how many more movies need to be added to it. Um, there were suggestions that we should be allowed to reorder at the end of each phase, which I guess at this point doesn't really actually do a whole lot because we only have two more episodes or two more films left in phase two. And then we're on and our way to we Infinity mo- War. And then we're on our way to, yeah, phase three. So we would only really be able to rearrange our lists once uh, before we uh, we move forward and get to the very end of the series, which I think is probably fine. So I I would be willing to say, um, I I feel like maybe we should just say um, at the end of next episode because next episode is um, Avengers two, um, which is a big one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should say that after Avengers two, we are allowed to reevaluate our lists. And then we'll leave them until Infinity War. Infinity War, at which point we can reevaluate once again. Sure, I'm okay with that. I think that's fair because I don't want to be reevaluating too many times. You know, we're only um, a few weeks away, so something that happened between uh, the last time we recorded <laughs> and this recording is Marvel uh, very rudely moved yeah, up how dare the date. They? I, I wrote a very strongly worded letter, not to worry, um, and said, hey, we were doing this thing. It's a podcast. Maybe you should listen to it. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, but we had this whole thing planned out, and it was going to work out pretty well. And now your movie is coming out one week before. So originally, Avengers Infinity War was set to release on May 4th, which was Star Wars Day, which I kind of love, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now... It's being released on April 27th, which, and also when I say April 27th, what I actually mean is it's really essentially being released on April 26th because yeah. movies just open on Friday nights now. Um, I don't even know why they advertise them as the 27th anymore. I don't understand. Yeah, they open as it's, much as two days before that. Yeah, it's stupid. I don't like it. Hollywood's a very silly place. Anyways, um, so we're going to be seeing the movie in, what is it, one, two, three, four five, six, seven weeks. Hmm. Seven weeks tonight, Matt. You and I, seven weeks tonight, you should be just getting off a ferry boat, I think. Uh, Closer to 8.30, I think. But Oh, fine. And then an you and I are going to, and then you and I are going to go, and, and probably other people, um, are going to go see Infinity War. And then we're going to go back to the office, and we're going to sit down and record, record that episode. Yep. Um, what that means is that we will be uh, doing a little bit of doubling up uh, near the end of the show's run. So you can look forward to uh, a few episodes, uh, sort of, I think, four episodes-ish in the final two weeks yes. uh, of the show. Uh, but that's fine. We'll let you know when they're coming out, and we'll give you a better idea of release date. Probably, like, normally the show comes out on Sunday, so we'll probably do, like, Sunday, Wednesday uh, for those weeks, uh, to sort of make sure that we're all caught up. Um, yeah. So, and that's, that's about it. Oh, there was actually, but you apparently had something to say as well. So I'll let you go first. Well, what do you got? What's your thing about missed an entire segment? Oh, the nitpick thing. No, no. Oh, the, the goofs. Yeah. What was your favorite goof? Oh man. The goofs. I mean, so my favorite goof is, uh, just, 
uh, Rocket going over uh, the plan of how they were going to break out of the kiln. And he's like, I'm going to need this. Gomorrah's like, cool, I got it. I'm going to need this. Uh, Quill's like, cool, I got it. And then I'm going to need this battery from the wall. And you, as as this conversation is happening, you see Groot be like, okay, I can do that. Starts walking over. Conversation's still happening. He reaches up. Conversation's still happening. Rips it off yeah. the wall. And as he's ripping it, still happening. As he's ripping it off the wall, it's like as soon as this comes out of the wall, the yep. whole place is gonna go into lockdown. So make yep. sure to get it last. And then the alarm and, goes off. And then yeah, he rips it out <laughs> of the wall. And yeah, easily the best goof in the in the in the movie for me. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that was not the one that I was gonna call out because I was I had a few in my mind. There's the obvious one. There's the I will not succumb to your pelvic sorcery. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fantastic line delivered brilliantly. Um there is uh he got my dick message. Yeah, oh the yeah, he got my dick message was really good. Um and also just watching John C. Riley deliver the the message to Glenn Close, being like, Well, he says, you know, he might be an a hole, but he's not one hundred percent a dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, do you yeah. believe him? I, I don't know that anyone's 100% a dick, 100% a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that was a great role for John C. Riley, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was, I think, uh, when I was reading, uh, it sounded like he was just offered that role. That was not something that he came in and, and read for, I don't think. He was just, I think people were just like, or I guess James Gunn was just like, I want you to do this. So uh, he did it perfectly, too. Yeah, it's so, it's so good. Um. And one of my other favorites is is when they're doing the like the final like talk it out. What are we gonna do just before the th- the final fight? Yeah, and uh, they all stand up, and then Rocket's like, "Fine, I'll stand up too. Look at us all standing <laughs> like yeah. a bunch of losers." Bunch of, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Rocket is just he's really good in that yeah, movie. Yeah. Bradley um, Cooper did a great job on the voices sure on that one. But um, can I pick a favorite? I don't know that I can pick a favorite of all those. That's fair. They're all really good. I, I like that, are... that Cosmo the Space Dog is in it. Cosmo the Space Dog is in it is very good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, one, the one thing that I wanted to quickly briefly talk about, uh, which is our first ever uh, look back. This is a, uh, some, a lot of people pointed this out in the previous episode's comment. Which is when we were talking about, you know, the nitpick being like, why not just freaking call Iron Man? Like, he's, you know, maybe he could help you out. And we went off about how that was sort of impractical from both, you know, a storytelling point and just, you know, a movie perspective that changes the the, the feel of the movie by a lot. Um, a lot of people were like, when you were talking about people who were missing, you kind of forgot, like, one main person that easily could have been there. Which is Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, why is Hawkeye not in this movie? To which I said, oh, yeah. Why wasn't Hawkeye in that movie? What the hell? To which I said, if you ever want to get the right answer, be wrong on the internet. Because Uh, my Twitter was basically unusable for a week with people telling me (laughs) 
how could you forget Hawkeye? You're dressed as Hawkeye in the key art for this podcast. And You're not, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're not See, wrong at all. That's that's why I suggested why Iron Man wasn't there, because that's who I'm dressed as. Yeah, it was doubly bad, because apparently at some point in that podcast, I said all the S.H.I.E.L.D.-aligned heroes are in this film, and that yep. is not true. Yeah, not even remotely true. So I'll wear that. I... I need to just stop doing these podcasts if I want to never be wrong about things, I guess, because uh, I, I I get corrected a lot. I like being wrong in real life because only a few people correct me. <laughs> it's much better than being wrong on the internet. Yeah, it's true. Uh, all right. I think that's actually going to... the We're going to wrap it up there for this week. Uh, I'm excited. We uh, move on to the second Avengers film, which I haven't seen yes. in years now. Um, I'm actually really stoked to watch it again. Um, Me too. My strongest, my strongest memory from that movie, and what will probably be my favorite goof, uh, is uh, that scene where they're all sitting around Tony Stark's house trying to lift up the hammer. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the scene that's stuck in my mind. That's the scene that I think about when I think of that movie, and the look on Thor's face when Steve moves it a inch. Yeah, he nudges it. Just, <laughs> it's just not even like an a, inch. Not even it's, an inch. It, it's like, like it a centimeter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the fact that it it visibly moved at all. He's just like, uh-huh. whoa. And I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing that again. It's it's one of my favorite scenes in all the Marvel movies. Yeah. The one that for some reason I really remember from that one. Uh, but that that'll have to wait till next week. You, you know what? Uh, in the scene, meantime, before you, before you sign off, yep. you know what scene st- stands out in my mind from Avengers Two? What? Chris Evans tearing a log in half with his bare hands. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, except for that's not real. That's probably just movie magic. You take that back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's the strongest man alive, and he could do that if he wanted to. Uh, all right. Next, you're going to tell Let's me actually... he didn't actually hold a helicopter down. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Part. Okay, you can you can sign off now. Oh man, we need to sign. We're just gonna literally. Okay, yeah, yeah, we're done. We're done. Uh, <laughs> thank you everybody for listening this week. Uh, that was a ton of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, couldn't do this without your support over on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/LoadingReadyRun. Uh, everything that we do is more or less a direct result of the incredible support that you show us over there. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, you can, of course, find both myself and Matt over on Twitter at James underscore LRR. Matt is at Matt underscore LRR. You can look in the description for links to the Patreon or Twitter. Uh, you'll find Matt's YouTube and Twitter account or Matt's YouTube and Twitch account. Are you actually going to link my Twitch account this week? Maybe if you stream more often. So I fully intend to be back streaming again on Sunday. Uh, which means that by the time this episode comes out, probably on Monday of next week, uh, you will have missed it. But uh, turn <laughs> tune back in the following Sunday, and uh, I should be online. Um, to be fair, the reason why the podcast went up on Monday this last week is because I'm an idiot. That's a good reason. This This is the first time the podcast is late because I was an idiot. Okay. Because I uploaded the wrong... I I uploaded the wrong audio. Yeah. So they would have if I hadn't if I had just uploaded it without checking it, which I'm glad I did. <laughs> they would have just literally gotten uh uh whatever episode the Thor two episode again. Oh, and nobody sweet. wants that. Nobody wants to 
to to listen to that episode twice. Nice. Um. All right. Yeah. I I should probably not make fun of you. You're doing all the work here. So it's true. To, it's a lot to of work your too. credit, you're doing all the work. I just have to show all up. All the work. It's true. Well, you have to watch the movies too. That's, that's hard not, to do. That's not work. <laughs> that's fair. Although I did get plenty of flack for my back to the grind photo that i put on twitter the other day with the guardians of the galaxy title card what'd you do wrong well people are like oh poor you having to you know it's such hard work how dare you call it a grind uh (laughs) (laughs) it's like Uh, i I was i was joking friends yeah that's fair yeah all right let's sign off let's say good night and we'll see you next week uh, with episode 11So there's somebody on YouTube who would like me to start putting music in those fake out moments right there. Mm. Uh, other than the, the silence, the end credits of the yeah, of like the show or something like yeah. that, or the movie God, that in question. Like, there, that's the sounds, real like deep cut is to take the actual end credit theme from whatever the movie is and start it. Uh huh. That sounds like all of this sounds like a whole lot of work. Do you know what's not a lot of work? Leaving it silent? Saying, <laughs> saying, well, we'll see you next week. And then literally just sitting at my desk for 13 seconds, being completely silent. Yeah. And not having to do any editing work whatsoever. Yep. Ship it. But we'll see. Hey, who knows? Maybe this week there was music there because I felt I felt uh, uh, generous. Yeah. I want we'll, it to be nice. We'll find out. We will find out at 5 p.m. on Sunday when James gets around to editing this episode. Damn straight. <laughs> hey, let's talk about this post credit scene that basically is meaningless. Uh, Teven. Wait, no, collector. you skipped one. What one am I? Which one did I skip? Baby Groot. Oh, Baby Groot. That doesn't even really count. He dances. That It's not even a... Post, it's not even a mid-credit scene. It cuts to black it's, and then cuts back to it. Yeah. Okay, so Baby Groot's back. Actually, did I see... I feel like I saw just the other day James Gunn saying, canonically, that is not Groot. Yes, canonically, it is a new... Like, it's it's it a is, new Groot. It, it does not have any it is of like, his memories. Groot yeah, is dead. It is, yeah, it is the son of Groot, or whatever he said on Twitter. And I love that he did that. <laughs> Oh my god! It the people were losing their minds. It was phenomenal. I, I loved it. James Gunn, the, you're awesome. And they say the Marvel movies don't have stakes because no one ever dies. Yeah, Ugh, I loved it. It was really good. Uh, so yeah, okay, fine. Baby Groot dances. It's adorable. Uh, actually, James Gunn, who danced. Oh, really? He did the mocap for it. I think he did. The, I think he was the one who did the mocap for that one. So like, um, uh, Sean Gunn. Uh, who played one of the Ravagers uh, and is his brother in real life. Sean Gunn and James Gunn are brothers. Yes. Um, and he plays uh, Craiglin in the film. Yep. He he stood in for uh, not only Thanos, I guess, during the very, very brief scene that he was in. He also did a bunch of standing in for Rocket on set. Oh. Which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they used a decent amount of his... Uh, facial expressions and stuff to for the animators to go off of, oh. which is pretty cool. Yeah, that um, is cool. But I I feel like I remember reading somewhere that Sean Gunn or James Gunn did the actual dancing for Baby Groot. I could be wrong. I could be making that up. Uh, 
No. But I think that was the case. It's on the internet now. It must be true. Must be true. That's fair. Okay, so there's Baby Dancing Groot, which is adorable and cute. Uh, and then there's the proper post credit scene, which uh, sees us back in back on Nowhere in the Collector's now, uh, exploded. now very exploded uh, uh, shop or whatever you want to call it. Vault. His archives, yeah. I guess. Um, and uh, he's there with the canine. What, what's the actual? Cosmo? I believe it's Cosmo. Is I'd it have to double ca- check, but it, it I'm pretty sure it's Cosmo. Yeah, so it's a, it's a cute little dog in the spacesuit in the in the cosmonaut suit, and Howard the Duck. Yes, which Gross. why do you let him lick you like that? Yeah, that's yeah, it's so weird. So voiced by um, shoot, I had this uh, Seth Green. Really voiced by Seth Green. Yep. Yes, it's um, Cosmo the space dog. Okay, yeah, so Cosmo the Space Dog, and yes, yeah, Seth Green as Howard the Duck. I, I don't know what the deal, like, I'm not entirely sure why they did the Howard the Duck thing there. Oh, just because it's um, cute. It's a throwaway. I guess it's just, it's just a cute little throwaway thing. As usual, um, I really prefer it when um, they do something interesting <laughs> with these things, like, further the story or give a little bit of a tease like your next movie is freaking avengers right like i understand that uh nothing in this movie that we just watched has anything to do with what's coming up in the avengers film but give us something yeah i mean for the first I avengers remember being... they gave us a trailer yeah i remember uh i i honestly remember being kind of annoyed walking out of the theater <laughs> After Guardians being like, what the what? Like, Howard the Duck? Come on. I don't want Howard the Duck. I want something cool. I want to know what's going on with the Avengers and, and stuff. Well, but now I want Howard the Duck. That's fine. I don't know if Howard there's Howard the Duck any... for Infinity War. I don't know if there's been any talk. Um, wait. Was Howard the Duck in Guardians 2 as well? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I just clicked remember. on Howard the... I just clicked on the Howard the Duck Wikipedia page and it says... Um, voiced by Seth Green in the films Guardians of the Galaxy and Volume 2. Oh. And I really don't remember Howard the Duck being in Volume 2. Neither do I. Oh, maybe he was there somewhere. We'll find out. We'll find out when Twitter tells us. That's fair. I look forward to Twitter telling me things. It's nice when Twitter tells me things. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's actually going to legitimately do it, because there really isn't much to talk about here. Um... They've never. I don't think they've ever said anything about whether or not Howard the Duck was actually going to be something that they would explore in the future. No, Howard the Duck, as far as I know, is kind of a like. Uh, it's more on the adult side, isn't it? And jokey. It's very like comedy. Um, yeah, but like it's I have more akin a... to like like Deadpool almost. Yeah, I, I have <laughs> never read a Howard the Duck comic so i couldn't really tell you i can tell you that in the in one of the marvel mobile games he drives a howard the duck shaped mech uh which is pretty sweet so he drives a mech that is the shape of him well it's the shape of his like a duck bill basically and he he sits in where the like the head would be um that's fair and it's got legs and arms and he uses that to fight with other heroes in the in the mobile game um all right right. i just happen to know this because i played the mobile game um but yeah, 
he, he's, he's a character there. I assume he was just put in this scene because they wanted something funny and cute to do. And they were like, <laughs> we're never going to make a Howard the Duck movie. Let's just throw him in there. I mean, to be fair, I'm sure they didn't think they'd ever make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. I mean, so, like, I mean, at least there, like, there actually has been a Howard the Duck movie before. Yeah. There's more, there was more precedent for that to exist than Guardians of the Galaxy. But, yeah. Well, uh, check, we check back with me in 15 years when they're really <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of characters and, uh, I look and forward the Howard to, the Duck movie comes out. I look forward to Countdown to Howard the Duck. Oh, we better do that podcast. Yeah, we'll definitely do that podcast. All right. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Good night.